Cura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kia ora Wellington, you are listening to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio. Let's... Uh, am I coming through? You're coming through. All Kia ora. Right. <laughs> Kia ora, I'm Laura. I'm Perrine. And uh, yeah, despite all, you know, winter coming and um, the global pandemic, B-Sides is continuing for now. We're really <laughs> grateful to have two awesome guests in our studio today. Absolutely. Do you want to um, sort of tell us about what's going to be in the second half? Yeah. So we have Dr. Marion Layton coming in in the second half of the show. She's going to talk to us about doctors for active and safe transport. Group of doctors who are getting together because they want us to be healthier, safer, more mobile, you name it. So we'll hear from Marion in the second half. Cool, cool. And And, uh, I'll kick off with Tamitha Paul in the first half. All right. Do you want to come over here, Laura? Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so I'll just do a quick intro. Tamitha is a uh, councillor elected last year in 2019, uh, Wellington City Councillor for the Pukehinao Lambton Ward. Uh, and she's going to talk to us today about, I guess, what it's like becoming a councillor and like what she does on a day-to-day basis, and including some of the hot topics that everyone's talking about in Wellington, like public health and re- responding to the coronavirus and um, how our pipes are doing and a few other issues that have come up for her in the media. So um, I'm just going to quickly swoop around to the other microphone. Seamless and- transfer. Get on over here. <laughs> and uh, welcome Tamitha into the studio. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can freestyle while we switch around. <laughs> yeah, um... Well, it's been a it's been a hectic day today. What is today? Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday already. Yep. Um, yep. Being pretty hectic on the ground, organising stuff around the coronavirus. So not actually sure have which you? day is what. Uh, I have been, and yeah. but kind of as in my individual capacity as like a young person in Wellington. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so maybe I'll just. Maybe I'm just going to launch into a quick plug while we sort it out. So yeah, I'm I'm part of a um, um, a collective of students at the moment who are kick restarting the Wellington Student Volunteer Army. So that kicked off in 2016 post Kaikoura earthquake, and we had a bunch of students going around then um, helping people who had been affected, um, doing things like um, helping shovel their driveways, helping them move things out of their house if it was flooded. Um, and all of those kinds of bits and pieces. But now we're reconvening to address the current um, COVID-19 outbreak, which obviously looks a lot different to an earthquake. Um, But we kind of acknowledge that most students are young people and um, won't be as affected by this outbreak. So looking at how we can support members of our community who are currently self-isolating. So that's uh, that's been my mahi since Sunday. That's interesting. And is there much interest among young people? We've got, um, in, in the last 48 hours, we've got more than 300 student volunteers. Wow. So there's massive interest. So what we're doing right now is we're just taking um, taking uh, I guess measured steps to make sure we're not reinforcing more harm um, and just working with health professionals to make sure we know what we're doing and what we're doing is actually going to be helpful. So it's pretty much it's pretty straightforward. Two parts to it. First part is we will be offering to run errands for people who are self isolating and can't um, go and get things from places that don't deliver online, like Maitatin or Bunnings or whatever, or, or kind of that kind of errand support that involves public um, interaction. And then there's also the kind of um, community connection aspect to it. So. Um, 
you know, talking to people who might feel alone or isolated during this time and don't have anyone to talk to. So just reaching out to them and making sure that they know that they're cared for by the community. So it's pretty cool. Lots of interests. We haven't launched um, in terms of receiving requests for support yet. We're just making sure we've got all our ducks in a row before we do that. But yeah, I think it's a really cool organic um, response. We've been working with Wellington Time Bank and um, and a few other organisations to make sure everything we're doing is um going to work, can grow sustainably and organically and doesn't cause more harm. Yeah. So what's the, I guess, um, you say like, I guess, what kind of help are you trying to provide? Like, are you just trying to get some groceries to people who might not be able to go to the store or is there like a um, or, like so a, it, uh, like a social element to that so as well? So it's both, yeah, so it's both. So it's errands and um, and that kind of social connection, obviously digitally. Um, mm. I guess in terms of the error, like getting shopping and stuff, people immediately think of groceries, but those are things that really people can do online, some people can do online. Um, not all people know how to use the online shopping system so we can help in that respect as well, but it's more um, going out and getting things that people can't order online I think that's important and then yeah there is the loneliness aspect of making sure no one in our community feels isolated literally emotionally isolated Mm. and yeah just keeping that um, community resilience going hard so yeah cool so that's outside of your role as a counsellor? Yeah, so that's just in my capacity as like a, um, I guess, young person keen to do something and not just be stuck doing nothing and, you know, waiting for somebody else to create a community response. The, in terms of the council, what we're doing, oh, it's been really an oversight role, just ensuring that um, any events that we have or support will um, just kind of trying to help them at the moment. So the biggest most worst thing that's happened is Cuba Dupas being cancelled, which oh, I'm really no. disappointed about. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they put so much work into it and I was really looking forward to it, but I know they'll be back anyway. Um, and then, yeah, we're just working with like local organisations to make sure they cover all their bases before having events. Um, but I think the cr- the critical area for Wellington as well as our local economy, they're going to be losing a lot of money not having cruise ship passengers here, um, not having international visitors and, you know, having a big part of the population who spend money self-isolating. So we really need to think about how we can stimulate the local economy because obviously there was the national stuff that happened today, but we need to figure that out. So we will be convening at 1pm tomorrow to listen to local businesses and see how we can support them. Oh, interesting. But I'm more focused on um, a community response at the moment, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Personally, um, yeah. Okay, so who's, in, who's invited to come and speak to the council about um, sort of... Supporting local businesses? Um, I'm not actually sure who it is at this point. It yeah. is really hard to like get that information ahead of time because it is quite a quick response like time. Yeah, gosh. but it feels like you know being on council for six months now. It feels like every like it is quite a reactive space. So everything is quite like you know. So you know it was the water over Christmas and now and then now it's coronavirus and then I I suspect it will continue to be like that for the next three years. But um, like I feel pretty comfortable with it. It's just about like rolling with the emergencies, but also in providing support and leadership, but also not dropping the other things that are important. So like for example, now would be a perfect time to. Drop all the like climate change related stuff I think some people would you know expect but actually it's about having representatives that keep on the ball with all of those things um so yeah it's been good and it's been challenging but I mean I think I've been handling it pretty well so far so yeah (laughs) 
So handling the crisis is pretty well and keeping yeah. other things in the air. Do you want to talk about the water pipes? Because sure. you mentioned it and yeah. like everyone was talking about like, You may not remember a few weeks ago before mm. everyone was talking about coronavirus. coronavirus yeah. Everyone was talking about the pipes. Yeah. So how, how are we going on that? And like what's the, what's the council's role being in trying to, I guess, resolve that situation? So I guess the big things that are happening is the mayoral task force for water that was established a couple of weeks ago. Don't actually know what's happening there. We haven't received any updates from that task force yet or like any um, information about whether they've met or what, what's been going on. Like there was a huge kind of um, debate about who should be on the task force and I'm not even sure where that got to, to be honest, but um, I'm hoping that that will keep going um, despite um, despite the coronavirus stuff at the moment because that's also important and that's another public health issue, you know, having wastewater um, and contaminated stormwater coming up into public spaces or mm. having people swimming out in like Orfedal Bay and not knowing that the water is actually um, contaminated and, and dangerous. So there's so many public health things going on at the moment and um, yeah, so I, I would hope that it wouldn't be dropping. I've just written an op-ed about the water system because uh, I actually did that like maybe – maybe like a week ago, that's probably won't get published because of all the coronavirus stuff at the moment. But essentially what we're seeing is a result of um, constantly deferring maintenance in favour of other projects or in favour of not increasing rates. And like I think there's two sides to it. I think first we have to look at our current water system and how we actually do that. And then second we have to look at how we're actually paying for this maintenance because it's going to be expensive. So I don't know how much detail you want me to get into. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can get into some detail without it being too boring. I think, yeah, yeah. I think okay. I, it actually would be a nice yeah, reminder yeah. of, yeah. like, what is the problem and, like, how do yeah. you see a way through that? So I think um, when you, when when people talk about water, they talk about the, um, I guess, the uh, well, the current conversations about water have been about the urban urban water kind of management and delivery. So just talking about pipes and how that gets to your house and stuff like that. But actually, if you step back and take a like a wide look at the the way that we treat water at like a government a local government level and and as a um, member of the public, it's actually pretty crazy. So like when you think about it, we deplete we we find water sources as close as possible and we drain them and totally deplete them. We pump those through heaps of kilometers of pipes um, that have been around for you know some more than a hundred years. Um, People use that. Um, we know that on average people in New Zealand use 200 litres of water a day, which is um, pretty, um, what's the word, like? Sounds pretty, like a lot. That's a lot of water. Yeah. Um, and then it goes, you know, back through the pipes and then it, you know, ends up getting flushed out into the Cook Strait. So to me it just seems like it's not a model that will be sustainable and I do think like picking out different pipes that we need to fix and doing that bit by bit is actually not going to address the problem. The problem is that we don't value water and we see it as a finite, uh, we see it as an infinite resource. Um, so like personally I think we need to look at start at the source and look at where we're getting our water from and instead of building all these reservoirs everywhere and disrupting everyone's everyday lives, actually looking at water sources, rivers, water catchment, streams, looking at regenerating the health of those waterways. So um, doing that through wetlands and planting particular plants that can filter and, um, I guess, sustain ecosystems. Um, so starting by cleaning up our own backyard. Then we need to look at um, the water then you know goes to the people and then actually look at our use and our consumption. So 
we are obviously using way too much water. Something needs to give. And I think we could maybe explore water metering um, to be more conscious of how much water we use. Um, and, you know, heaps of people are against that. It's, it's like anyone who's proposed that usually gets kicked out of um government well you know and I'm, I'm okay with that because these are the hard conversations that we actually need to look at with climate change coming like we know that we'll have less access to fresh water um, and clean you know clean water that we can use so I think we need to look at that and have that conversation now we could be given like a free allocation of water every day so like um you know, we know evidence says that we need 50 litres of water a day. So we could look at giving people like a free allocation of like 100 litres of water a day. Anything beyond that they could be charged for. And that really gets people in the mindset that it's not an f- infinite resource um, and to be more aware of their usage. And then there's the how it gets disposed of. And I think that's another area where we're lacking in. So actually we can use that grey water to... Um, to kind of irrigate our green spaces. We can use it to grow gardens. We can use it um, in our community spaces and and other green spaces. There's so many different uses beyond, you know, getting rid of it. Mm. I guess, so so we need more of a circular system that actually looks at water, looks at the kind of social value we put on it and looks at how we can recirculate that. The, the thing with the water metering and why it's so contentious is that people think that it will disadvantage poor people who live in larger households. Well, first of all, we know that larger households use less water, obviously, like having someone bang on the door being like, hurry up in the shower every two minutes, <laughs> first of all. Second, um, we can actually use that money from water metering and reinvest that into poorer areas who actually have the worst water infrastructural issues. So, for example, out in the hut um, in some of the lower-income areas, there's a lot of the properties have misconnections where people building those areas would just connect the wastewater drainage systems to the stormwater. And then whenever there's a storm, all the wastewater comes up in the street. Hello, public health issue. So actually, water metering in and of itself could be problematic, but the way in which we could invest it and do that in a restorative way, I think, could offer so many revolutionary um benefits but we're not having that conversation for some reason and so many of our political leaders just stomp it out and don't want to talk about it and I just think let's explore it you know let's look into it let's look at how we value water sorry I've been so into it lately so I'm like oh wow there's so much to do (laughs) um but yeah and I think I think the other thing too is people think water meeting they instantly think privatization and that doesn't necessarily have to be the case um so I think yeah that's what's going on with the pipes. Don't know about the infrastructural, uh, about the mural task force, but I don't know. Hopefully, we'll all find out soon. Right. But um, yeah, something 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 wider needs to be done. I think it's the same right. with the central library. Like, you know, where everyone's like, do we rebuild? Do we renovate? What do we do? Actually, we need to look at the whole area. So it's taking these holistic views to everything rather than picking at different little issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> And I love, um, you know, we did a few shows last year about um, sort of our streams and Mm. the amazing way that our um, native fish have to travel through Mm. um, kilometers of pipes to get into to get into our local stream Mm. ecosystems. And like it it kind of like uh, prompted me to think about, I guess, um, how we're sort of in a battle with nature of mm. like who's going to get to use this resource we want to use it first mm. and then that that becomes like a really secondary thing is like mm. actually maintaining 
river systems and the freshwater streams mm. and all the amazing things that we used to have in Wellington that now we don't see. They're all underground. Yeah, exactly. And um, like I think they're, they're like people, I think they think it's a trade-off when really like those environmental aspects and those ecosystems are like the OG natural like filters and the natural like sustainers of healthy waterways and it's like if we can get that right then we could get everything right it's just starting at that source um but yeah it is pretty shocking I think the thing that saddens me the most is out in Orfidal Bay so the Orfidal stream's been uh, you know a place of just like total contamination for for a long time now it's got three landfills um leaching into it mm. the thing that hurts me the most about that space is it's actually a place where my to my tipuna my ancestors um historically were so Ngāti Awa settled down in Orfidal Bay for a little bit and you know we would use that stream for um mahinga kai so like gathering food um for spiritual purposes bathing like everything and to think of it in its current state really just makes me feel really disappointed. So, yeah, I think we need leadership in the space really badly at the moment, and it needs to go beyond finger-pointing and saying, you know, blaming people and actually looking at things. I guess the good news is we've got a FITUA committee, so that's a really cool thing that people can look into if they want a bit of hope in how we look at our water. What, what's that? So that's a um, it's a regional council initiative, I mm-hmm. believe, and there's five of them across the region. The one that's in Wellington is called the Te Whanganui Atara Whaitua Committee, so that has representatives from all like the different councils, like the DHB Regional Council, from Mana Whenua, all the different stakeholders, Wellington Water, and they're actually taking that whole-of-catchment approach, so they're actually holistically looking at water. So in eight months' time, they're going to have a report to us about all the different things that we need to do to get our waters healthy again and get our water systems working again. So they bring hope. And so that and the task force on water will finish at about the same time. So it's going to be interesting to see whether their recommendations are the same or whether one whether the FITUA recommendations are going to be a lot more holistic and long-term and sustainable or whether the infrastructural, um, the, mere ta- the mural task force ones, I mean, like seeing what comes out of that. So there's two tangible things that will come out this year in the in terms of recommendation, and then it is up to our political leaders to as to whether they'll listen to it mm-hmm. or whether they will give in to political pressure and pressure from people who don't want their rates increasing. So right, right, and kind of take a short term short term solution. Yeah, I'm hoping to see leadership in the space even if it means potentially getting thrown out. And do we rely on the regional council to sort of lead in, in water? Uh, nah, I think... It's both? N- both, yeah, totally. They can do lots of stuff around wetlands and bluebelt stuff, and, and it's going to require collaboration 100%, but, yeah. So um, it's cool that you are, like, wrote an op-ed on that to sort of, like, talk about your yeah. feelings on that issue. I saw something else mm. you wrote for the spin-off, which oh, yeah. was about nature... Yeah. Um, Biodiversity, yeah. nice one, Perrine. Yeah. Um, so that's neat. And another thing that you've been in the media for is this thing called um, private council briefings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to explain what, 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 uh, what's happening there? Yeah, so... Or, like, what is a private council briefing? Yeah, so I guess whenever there's any any topic at all, whether it's, like, an emergency or an update or a topic or whatever, um, we get these briefings or workshops, and it's pretty much just, like, officers or our, like, high-ranking staff members will come and give us a briefing on what the situation is, what the kind of gritty like numbers and all that stuff 
happens. And it's really a space for us to ask questions and understand particular issues before we go to like the public facing bodies like council meetings or strategic policy committee meetings. But I think what I was so so what happened is I I think I, I talked about a parking change and then, you know, uh, the mayor said these this was discussed in confidence and councillors really shouldn't be sharing that information. Right, so you talked about it in public. Yeah, so yeah. I commented to a reporter and I think it really brought up a really good conversation about transparency and what people want from us as, as their leaders and, and what kind of access to information they want. So, like, personally, I just think some of those briefings could be could be public. I think we would be kidding ourselves if we think that change will ever happen by us getting our private briefings and then having a little orchestrated conversation in, a, in, a, in the public sphere and then expecting Wellingtonians to be on board with what we're suggesting or what we're implementing. Like I do think change happens and policy change is made possible when there's a when there's public pressure from it and when the public are informed and the public are having conversations about it. Not when we're having conversations about it in back rooms and then expecting people, everyone to jump on board and be happy with that. And like just and I think that was a big reason why I ran. But it's like we need to increase public access to that information. Like I don't see the harm in a, a lot of the things we're learning about in the public having access to that. Like I just don't see it like unless it's a sensitive matter or like commercially sensitive or an HR issue like it doesn't seem like an issue to me and I think we need to get better at communicating to the people about what we want to do and that's why I've been writing all these op-eds because it's like if I can communicate this and if people even if they disagree if they're talking about it at least we're getting somewhere rather than me debating with my councillor colleagues and then seeing how many votes we can get. Actually, if I can inspire people to come and present to us, which is like the ultimate power, um, and then having that change councillors' minds and therefore inform the decision-making process, that's what we want. We don't want a, 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 a politically disengaged public. I don't think anyone wants that. I certainly don't want it, but I think that's the way it's been run for a long time now. And, mm. yeah, that needs to change. And I'm happy to shake things up to get that going, you know? <laughs> Um, do, do you sometimes get advice from officials that you think they maybe wouldn't give or give as frankly if there was a reporter sitting there in the room? Oh yeah, that's a big that's a big aspect of it, and um, that that that's that is a massive part of it. And so like, there's a there's a bit of a balance between allowing yeah officers to give us what is it free, frank, and fearless advice, Ooh, yes. um, and versus yeah if the if the media was there. Um, and like I, I like I agree with that, but I think sometimes we we might overstate that a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think it is those conversations that the public have um, about all these options and stuff that is what's going to help us make change, you know. Yeah. Um, and we know that councils meetings aren't always the best way to socialise new ideas because there's always so much on the agenda that some items just go totally. You know, there isn't a lot of conversation dedicated to it. So, you know, I think we need to find a balance there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And did you, uh, like, did you feel, how did you feel about getting that sort of, like, media attention of people, especially because it was a bit um, framed as, like, a big conflict in yeah. the council? Oh, no, nah, totally, yeah. Well, things are always framed like that. But actually, Andy's pretty cool, and, like, he is really open to, like, I guess he's really open to those kind of things. Like, I think... 
just being on council for six months and then thinking about him being on council for, what is it, 27 years, like, it does make you a lot more pragmatic, like, you are willing to listen to people a lot more. So, like, he is cool in that sense of listening to people and totally wasn't um, adversarial at all. Like, he just said, um, you know, this is why we do it this way. And I just said, well, you know, we should explore that. And he said, yeah, we can do that. So, yeah, but, yeah, I mean... That's the way it gets framed, I suppose. <laughs> Who knows? Um, that's neat. So that sounds like you are like have a good relationship with the mayor and yeah. Foster. Yeah. And like, what about your other council colleagues? I guess yeah. how how are you finding it in general sitting on the council? Oh, I, I reckon it's awesome. Like it's it's really cool. Um, lots of space to have constructive and challenging conversations. Um. I do, I do find it a bit challenging being an independent uh, councillor sometimes, um, just because you don't maybe have as much, um, I guess, support in terms of a of a party or colleagues that are also a part of a party to kind of back particular ideas up. But I think that's okay. Like, it means that I have more of a spread across different political views rather than having this predetermined position on particular things um but I like it my favorite I'm just gonna say I don't care my favorite colleague is Laurie Foon so Woo! she's um she's from the southern wall <laughs> Paikawakawa and so she's got um waste so her portfolios are waste and oh sorry no it's not called waste anymore it's called zero uh waste free welly that's what she calls it and she's also got local and sustainable business and so we work together a lot because between us, she's got zero waste, I've got zero carbon and zero harm. So we're the zero the zero team. Um, and we do lots of stuff together because obviously can't address climate change without addressing the way that we look at waste. And that's another, you know, just going back to our conversation about holistic views, waste is another big one. So like our landfill, like, you know, looking at options of, you know, it's about to be at capacity soon. So looking at options of where that goes. Um, and... That's a tough conversation because we also look at our waste as disposable, you know. So, like, mm. in the same way that we look at water as, like, an out-of-sight, out-of-mind resource, we do the same with our waste, you know. We put it on the curb and then we leave it and that's it. And so we're going into some really tough conversations around that too. But Laurie, I'm really confident in her ability to really tackle this because she's got the environmental mind but she also has the business mind as well like being involved with Sustainable Business Network and she's just oh so stylish she's a fashion icon <laughs> and she's just lovely like so lovely like it's always lovely to her colleagues always lovely to the officers and just awesome to work with um yeah and obviously I got my cool um Lambton colleagues Iona Panet and Nicola Young and we've been working together really well and right like on. cool little trio so I, I yeah I really like it I'm, right I feel really like there's some good minds together and obviously 11 women which is pretty cool interesting dynamic 11 out of 15 women but um yeah I, I, it's, it's really cool and I, yeah. I'm, I'm loving it and yeah and have you been able to sort of um w w when we spoke to you I should have mentioned at the start with this there's a podcast in our in our feed in the b-side stories feed of when we spoke to you when yeah. you were running for council mm. and that's a good thing to listen to to learn a bit more about your background yeah. but you talked about this philosophy of really wanting to have like a community-led mm. um like bringing more community voices into yeah. the leadership of the council and mm. how have you found like sort of um have you been able to incorporate that into the challenges that you're facing now? Yeah, so 100%. So pretty much hit the ground running with that one. So um, I guess on the lo more local scale, been doing – so this was funny because when I was running, like I was saying, like, community connection, community connection, but I couldn't, like, convey that in, like, little 
um, kind of like bite-sized snippets of what I meant. But what I meant by that and have been doing is like an example of that would be like we've just, um, I've just facilitated between like Massey Students, Mount Cook Residents Association, Mount Cook Mobilised and Mount Cook Connecting, kind of like connecting them up and like kind of establishing you know, regular times that we can all get together and work on things that are like of mutual benefit to the area. So like that's a kind of micro example of what I meant there. So it's about connecting all the different groups up, regardless of like generational gap, regardless of, you know, who's a ratepayer and who's a renter, like all of those kind of things, which are the same thing, by the way, but you know, perceptions. Um, You know, so, so bridging together groups of people that are doing the same thing, but actually getting them to work together. So that's been a big part of my work. But on another scale, it's about looping in communities with the bigger, kind of more boring seeming stuff that we're doing. So like planning for growth, that's a biggie coming up. So that's like, how are we going to lay out our city to accommodate fifty to 80,000 more people in 30 years? So what I've been doing with that is I've reached out to all the colleges and high schools. Um, cool. And, um, and you know, ask them if they're keen for me to come in and do a session with them because those are the people who are going to have to live with the city in the next 30 years. I've reached out to different environmental groups to see how we can make sure that there's room for green space within the city. Um, I've reached out to all the different um, student associations to make sure that their concerns around like density and housing are considered in the spatial plan. So it's it's something that's hard to articulate in terms of policy, but it's something that has to be done through doing. So making sure all of those voices are represented um, is super important. Neat. Uh it's great to hear in these yeah, lots um, going on. S- social distancing times. There's still yeah. heaps of ways to engage with council, exactly. to have your voice heard, mm. and to um, find communities to connect with. Yeah, um, and I'll just quickly say, like, if anyone's keen to do any Wellington Student Volunteer Army stuff around the COVID-19 response, um, please do look us up on Facebook um, at Wellington Student Volunteer Army and give that a like, and also um, at the at VUSA, Victoria University of Wellington Student Association, and give that a like as well. Wicked. Taylor, thank you for coming into the studio and giving oh, good. Some, Thanks It's for good me. to have the, the inside scoop on yeah. leadership in the city. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to play a quick song and then we'll uh, get to Doctors for Healthy Transport. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go listen half. to that. I might just sit outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.